Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Ice the Kicker. My name is Glenn Zanegris alongside Matt Ferrara. Week three is in the books. It was a big week in the NFL, and we have a big show because we have a bunch of your questions. Now, uh, a lot of bad things happen for my team, the Giants. They look terrible. The Jets look terrible. So that continues. The Dolphins, they got a huge win. There it is. Putting aside the tour talk for just another week. And we'll, what we're going to start with was probably the game of the year to this point in terms of matchup. And that was the two best teams and the two best quarterbacks in the AFC, arguably, between the Chiefs and the Ravens and Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. Matt, it's, it's funny because we watch not only football, but we watch all the other sports as well. And I was thinking about this watching the game that just ended like 15 minutes ago. When we watch baseball, let's say we watch Dodgers Yankees game, like, and then we like the next day watch a you know a Marlins Royals game, right? It's it's kind of the same game, but when mm-hmm. you watch the Chiefs and the Ravens, and then you watch the Giants and the Jets play, it, it it's not the same sport. It's not the same game. Like if you watch two baseball teams mm-hmm. that are completely different, it's still a baseball game. From the naked eye, it's the same thing. The mm-hmm. talent level that the Chiefs and the Ravens have, and we'll get to the, the game, actual game in a second, but the talent and the quality of the game between those two teams and what we saw this weekend with specifically the Giants and Jets, completely different sport and a completely different organization. It's, it's insane. Yeah, you just you see just a, a lot of successful offenses or just, just a lot of success on, on, on both sides of the ball. You don't really see a lot of sloppy plays. There's not really a lot of penalties. There's a lot of big plays, which is awesome. But even with the Ravens, all right, they, they might have lost the game, but there were still a lot of impact plays that they made. I mean, Lamar Jackson missed a couple, would have been big plays, but there's still that potential for those big, exciting, highlight real kind of plays where you're not seeing in, say, like the Jets or Giants per se. Yeah, and it's it's just – it's it's crazy, and it's a shame that the – that this isn't the way it is in New York because mm. you know the New York fans, diehards, they deserve a better product, but that's not what they're getting. And we're going to get to it in a second. We have a couple of mailbag mm. questions in regarding those two teams, but let's, let's actually talk about the chiefs and the Ravens in the first second, 34 to 20 in favor of the defending champions, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, what can you say? He can do no wrong yeah. in this game. <laughs> 31 to 42, 385 yards, four touchdown passes rushed for the fifth. He, he's without question the best quarterback in the league. But I don't want to start with Mahomes. I want to start with Jackson. He really struggled in this game. The former MVP, 15-28, 97 yards. Got to give credit where credit is due with the Kansas City Chiefs defense. They really stepped up on the road. Yeah, your, uh, your former D.C., Stevie Spagnola, he really, really showed out. Like, I mean, average yards per pass, 2.2 for Lamar Jackson. Like, that is just absurd. I mean, again, not saying that the, the, they figured out kind of the secret to stopping him, but to some extent you saw what happened when they played the, the Titans in the playoffs was, hey, you let him pass the ball a little bit, and then kind of everything kind of went, went to shit to say. It just He missed a lot, a lot of open receivers. He, and there was so many plays. Even, like his one touchdown in the back of the end zone was, I would say, more of a luckier grab by the tight end there than it was a better pass by him. So I think something that other teams are going to key on is basically just keeping contained in the pocket. And then they just kept blitzing and blitzing. And then even when he tried to scramble, it was too little too late. Yeah. And this is kind of another, this is kind of a narrative that's starting to get pushed with Lamar Jackson in terms of when the lights shine the brightest, he's really not as dominant 
as he is during the course of a normal game, a normal season. We remember the two playoff games he's completely busted in the last couple of years that he's been in. And now in a game against the team that they're going to have to go through if they want to make it to the Super Bowl this year in the Chiefs, he came up small again. I'm not going to say that, you know, Lamar Jackson's not the guy because he's absolutely mm. tremendous. Everybody knows mm. that. If you, as long as you have two eyes and you're not blind, you can tell that Lamar Jackson is fantastic at football. But at some point, you got to win that big game and you got to show up in that big game. And it's without question now, especially after what we just saw, that Patrick Mahomes is the premier quarterback in the AFC and, you know, in the entire NFL. And if the, the closest quarterback was probably him in that kind of competition and Mahomes just completely blew him out of the water. I mean, he was making throws all around the field from checkdowns to Kelsey, third down conversions, long passes to Hill, just threading needles, throwing through close, closing windows. It was, just, it was just a pretty sight to watch. He's just absolutely unreal. Yeah, so tip of the cap also to, to Andy Reid. They just get so creative with their offense. And, again, they obviously have the best pieces around and a great old line to do these things. But just all these, these gadget fake screen one way, fake screen another way. You got Travis Kelsey up the middle. They had a touchdown to the left tackle. They had a touchdown to a fullback. It was just – so many things that, like, like you said, if we, if our favorite teams try to do that, it would end up miserably. They would never do it in a million years. They, just, they just couldn't. So, tip of the cap to all of them, and just the, even the GM, just kind of building this team and having Andy Reid, a guy in place who can do these things. And obviously, Patty Mahomes, the best in the game right now, and all, all, the way it's trending, the best to ever play the quarterback position. So, they, they got a good thing going right now. And it's frustrating because, like, as you said, they built this team the right way. Mm-hmm. And then we look at other teams throughout the league, including my Giants and I, your Dolphins, because you, you guys haven't been that great for the last two decades either. Mm-hmm. But it, these some teams just get it when it turns to building and getting talent on their roster, and some teams that don't just don't. And while I'm watching this game and I'm appreciating what I'm seeing, the greatness that I'm seeing from Mahomes and the Chiefs organization as a whole, I'm also like furious that the New York Giants – or the New York Jets, or the Miami Dolphins, or any of these other teams, they seem to just, they just can't do it. Whatever draft decision they make is wrong. Whatever coaching hire they make is wrong. Whatever GM hire that the Maras or whatever owner makes is wrong. It's amazing that a lot of these teams are just in this endless cycle of just incompetence when it, ter- when it comes to talent and roster construction and front office um, construction. Yeah, and again, I think a lot of that stems from just the leadership from the owner. And again, uh, Hunt being their own, he's run a really good ship, I would say, so far. And then I think something that was really key to the Chiefs' success, besides obviously drafting Patrick Mahomes, has been getting that veteran coach. Everybody wants that new, young, up-and-coming, rookie kind of coach because it's flashy, it's cool to have. But I think they, they played it safe, or not necessarily played it safe, but they were just smarter than everybody. They say, hey, we're going to get a vet who's been there before and has learned from his losses and say, hey, like, we're going to give you the reins to coach this younger team. And I think it was a spot-on perfect move. Yeah, and that really started with the Sean McVay hire with Los Angeles. They saw how mm-hmm. much that succeeded, you know, in the first couple of years. And it's a copycat league like every sport is. Oh, so yeah, everyone's 100%. like, okay, let's try to copy what the Rams did and get mm-hmm. the young coach, get with the analytics – and the Chiefs kind of went the opposite. They got the old grizzled veteran coach in Andy Reid, who had a lot of success, um, was notorious for getting to the conference finals, conference championships, I should say, and then not winning there. Had that one loss with the Eagles in the Super Bowl against the Patriots in Super Bowl 39, I believe. But yeah, the Chiefs said, no, we're going to go with the guy who knows, like, hard nosed old school football. 
and it's worked. And, you know, you add in a little bit of young flavor with Mahomes and, you know, the speed on the edge with Tyreek Hill. Mm-hmm. And now you got Hilaire, the running back, and obviously you got Kelsey, that grinder at tight end. It's perfect roster. I don't, there's not a roster in football that's better than it. So I don't really see where the losses are coming from with Kansas City. They have a tough schedule. I'm going to bring it up in a second. Um, but we talked about it in the first episode of the podcast. This team can very easily go 14-2, 15-1, 16-0. Next week, they're mm-hmm. the Patriots. That's a tough game. The Raiders are 2-1. 2-1, and one. Two and one, right? Yeah, yeah, two and uh, one. yeah they're yeah. surprising mm-hmm. people. And then they got the Bills. So that's a tough three-game st- stretch, but they're the Kansas City Chiefs, so those teams should be afraid to play them. Then you mm-hmm. got three very winnable games in Denver, Br- the Jets, my God, and then the Panthers going into the bye. So Chiefs are set up pretty nice on this, you know, run-it-back tour that they're calling it. Yeah, no, I, again, like we talked about, there's this you, – you look at the, the whole makeup of their schedule, and, yeah, like you said, you have the Bills and Patriots who are some hard games, and they're going to be people they're probably going to play in the playoffs. However – I don't know if if they're really going to have that that hard of a time with them. Again, the way they handled and by absolutely all means handled the Ravens and their electric offense was, was very eye-opening to a lot of people because the knock on the Chiefs last year was that, all right, their defense is kind of suspect right now, but their offense is still awesome. You have uh, a defense who held the Ravens to 228 yards and you put up 517 total yards on them. That was very impressive. And again, it's going to be tough. For, for even the Patriots or, or the Bills or honestly anybody in the whole NFL to stop this Chiefs. As for the Ravens, uh, they got a tough loss, but not worried about them whatsoever. They play Washington oh, yeah. next week, then the Bengals and the Eagles, and then a big game against the Steelers right before the bye. They're going to be fine. But this is it, – it's just tough. If, it's frustrating if you're a Ravens fan because you want to be kind of in that level of where the Chiefs are. Yes. And until they show it in the brightest light, on national television against the best team or in January in the playoffs, they're not going to be taken as seriously because all the doubters are going to be like, show me when it matters. And as yep. of now, they haven't. Yeah. No, again, I'm in full agreement there because like you said, it really looked like you were watching two different caliber of teams. And, and I agree with you hundred percent that, yeah, I'm not worried about the Ravens, but again, if they play them again in the playoffs, I don't have much hope for the Ravens in that game. Um, just rapid fire throughout the leagues because we're going to go to our mailbag, and that's going to be really fun. The Bills improved to 3-0 and after beating the uh, Rams. That was after a few controversial uh, pass interference penalties. Trash. It seems to happen one, one per week. One bad or controversial offensive or defensive pass interference per week has cost a team a game this season. Unbelievable. Uh, Patriots beat the, the Raiders. Dolphins, big win. Huge. Big win against Huge. the Jacksonville Jaguars. You want a real quick word about that? Yeah, again, like we said, I thought we for a second we were going to see Tua late in the game, like garbage time, and I never would have thought I would have seen him in that scenario, meaning that we were winning by so much. We obviously didn't get there, but tip of the cap to the coaching staff, the whole defense stepping up with, without Byron Jones, and then handling a, a borderline red-hot uh, Jacksonville Jaguars offense. Yeah, I – Good for, good for them. I mean, we needed we, it. <laughs> it was a rough couple of weeks. The the doubters and tour wanners were kind of starting to get a little mm-hmm. loud, but good for the good for Fitz. Fitz is a good guy. You can't hate love Fitz. him. Gotta love him. Could, yeah. Can't hate Fitz. In the AFC North, the Steelers went to three and zero. Ravens obviously just lost. Browns are two and one. First time they're over five hundred in like what was that stat? Like six years, seven years. It's crazy. Yeah, it's interesting for them. 
Bengals tie the Eagles in the AFC South. The Titans moved, improved to 3-0. and The Indianapolis Colts killed the Jets. Jaguars obviously lost. Texans at 0-3. That's a big surprise. But it's kind of yeah. tough when you start with you start with the Chiefs, then you start, then you get the Ravens, and then they lost this week. Steelers, yeah. We'll go through the rest in through rest of the NFL after we do our mailbag. But this is really fun, Matt. You got a lot of responses on Instagram. And yeah, so I- the things that we were planning on talking about on this podcast were kind of asked anyway. So it kind of works mm-hmm. out perfectly. Yeah. And again, this is, I think it's a really cool idea to kind of just let everybody who's watching kind of run the discussion and run the whole show. So we'll start off with your New York giants had a good amount of questions from specifically from uh, Ryan Tomeo, Mike Moran and good old Alec Paul many basically oh saying Alec must be killing himself. The poor guy. Yeah. So I don't, nobody loves the, nobody likes the giants <laughs> or loves the giants more than Alec does. Yeah. So this must be killing them. So basically all, all those questions revolved around, are the Giants going to fire uh, Dave Gettleman? And I'm curious your response to that. Uh, or yes. should they? they? They should. They, they, I mean, I was having this conversation with my baseball podcast group chat this morning because we talk about things other than baseball, obviously. And we talked about this because there was a lot of articles from um, Pat Leonard of the Daily News, I believe he's on, and just a few mm-hmm. other beat writers for the Giants, basically blaming Gettleman for this mess. And when you think about it, they're absolutely right. I mean, I want to rattle off some stats about the Giants from yesterday or from this season, if I can. They're 31st in red zone touchdown percentage. That's second to last. The Jets are last. <laughs> they are 31st in yards per game. That's second to last. The Jets are last. They are 22nd in third down conversion percentage as an offense. They are 28th in interceptions per game. That's, you know, fourth worst in the NFL. They are 28th in fumbles lost per game. That's fourth worst in the NFL. They are 20th in rushing yards per game. That is with, you know, the game and a half from Barkley and then, Mm -hmm. you know, Deion Lewis and Freeman. That's which is indicative on their offensive line struggles, which is, mm-hmm. you know, obvious for the last seven or eight years. Yeah. They're last, last in third down defense. Defenses are, or offenses are converting on third down against the Giants almost 60% of the time. Like it's a guarantee. Yeah. It's, only, it's basically a guarantee. Like being in the 30 percentile on third down defense is kind of bad. They're mm-hmm. double that. That's 60% of the time. That's six out of 10 third downs that the, de- the offenses against the Giants are converting. Yesterday against the 49ers, mind you, this is not the 49er team that went to the Super Bowl in February. This is the 49er team that lost their starting quarterback, their first two receivers on the depth chart, their running back, multiple defensive players, including Richard Sherman, um, if I'm not mistaken, an offensive lineman or two, but the entire team, the entire team and, yeah, was hurt. They are Nick flying. Bosa. They are flying clear across the country for the second straight week on a field that they bitched about the entire week about the turf being too sticky. Mm-hmm. And they're on a 10 a.m. body clock because of the West Coast to East Coast time difference. So they're basically playing at 10 a.m. So every single advantage in this game really possible that the Giants had. So there's no excuse why the Giants lost. Not only did they lose, they humiliated themselves. They, the Niners didn't punt in this game <laughs> at all. I did not I didn't know that. They, they didn't punt one time. Oh, the Giants, God. they didn't run a single play in the red zone the entire game. Oof. They were not in the red zone once. 
Do you think Dave Gettleman should keep his job, Matt? Do you think he should? <laughs> so it, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's tough because it, the GMs and the coaches and the quarterbacks are usually one and the same. The way mm-hmm. you kind of see it, it's tough to see w- one new person come in and then uh, the other people kind of leave. So I, I think it's going to be very interesting. And just to build off uh, the Giants, Alex specifically asked over under eight games until – the, the Giants fire him. So he's assuming he's getting fired regardless. And he's just saying it's going to be before or after eight games. Uh, it's going to be, I'm going to go after eight games. So I'm going to go the over. Cause I don't, I've, I've heard of coaches getting fired mid season. I've never heard of GMs. GMs. Yeah. Excuse me. Getting hired mid after the season. Mm-hmm. I don't really see what firing Gettleman does mid season, mid season, but he yeah. should absolutely be fired at the end of the year. I mean, this is year three now. And the Giants mm-hmm. went from five wins to four wins. Well, the first year, it's not, it's not his team. It's not his roster. But five wins yeah. is five wins. Four mm-hmm. wins last year. I don't think they're getting to four this year. I don't know when their first win's going to come. Maybe Washington. If they don't beat Washington, they might go 0-16. I don't see where this win is. They, their defense obviously sucks. Like, there's a f- couple guys on the defense. I like Jabril. He's done some good things. He got hurt. I like this kid, Bradbury. He seems very good. Um, I like Mike Martinez. Uh, yeah, but like overall, as a defense, sixty uh, percent mm-hmm. on third down is just indicative of how bad they are. They yeah, they don't crazy. rush the passer that well. Um, mm-hmm. You don't really have a defensive line. They don't really have an offensive line. That's indicative on Dave Gettleman's drafting. Their quarterback that they spent the sixth overall draft pick, many at the time said was a reach, has this has this horrible turnover issue that is not getting better. They spent the second overall pick on a running back. Both, we both discussed in previous episodes how that's kind of counterintuitive on winning. We look mm-hmm. at the last five or six Super Bowl winners dating back to Marshawn Lynch being the last one who was kind of a star running back that won a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I don't – This te- you look at their weapons, they, Jones doesn't really have that you know, number one receiver to throw to. And mm-hmm. why is that Gettleman's fault? Not only because Gettleman hasn't drafted one or signed one, but they traded one in Odell Beckham Jr. That, it's that, not yeah. a good look when they don't run a single play from the red zone all day mm-hmm. and knowing in the back of your mind that this is a team that traded one of the most dynamic wide receivers in the game basically for Jabril Peppers. Every move that Dave Gettleman has made hasn't worked. Well, not everyone hasn't worked, but, you know, a good solid majority majority, of, you know, the picks haven't worked or the signings haven't worked. He doesn't embrace analytics. He, he called, he, 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 before the draft, he said, oh, we hired computer folks. I don't want to hear that in 2020 for my dinosaur Mm -hmm. GM. Mm -hmm. I think Dave Gettleman is running himself out of town. I don't see how John Mara has the patience to endure two to three more years of this. Now, I don't see while, while we're on the topic of, of John Mara, Mike Moran wants to know, is it time for Mara to sell the team? So now we're totally tearing everything down right now. Giants fans are ruthless. They I want their tell. pound of flesh. I I'm, surprised I, I'm surprised we haven't seen a fire Joe Judge question. We didn't get one of those. <laughs> it's only, no, it's only 0-3. We're not, we're not there well, yet. At least Giants fan have the patience for three games. But yeah. in terms of John Mara, listen, the, the, the Maras and the Tishes are the Giants. 
Mm-hmm. It's like the Roonies of, or the Steelers. Like Jerry Jones is the Cowboys. Like George Steinbrenner and Hal Steinbrenner are the Yankees. They're not ever going to sell the Giants, ever. It's not. Yeah, I, I would agree that. I think, oh, there's again, you got to understand that. Obviously, the owners want to win, but they're raking in a ton of money. So oh. from that, from the business standpoint, <laughs> And here's the thing, I wouldn't want the Maris to sell because I truly believe they care. Like, when when I hear them talk, like, when they do their year-end press conferences, they're very upset about the product that's been on the field the last 10 years. The problem is they haven't made the correct front office hires in terms of Gettleman and then with their head coaches because McAdoo sucked. Um, Shermer obviously wasn't good. Jury's still out on Joe Judge, although he seems like they're playing hard for him. But, you know, at, at some point, you got to see the results on the field. I want to bring up something I saw from an uh, article uh, in terms of uh, Dave Gettleman's drafting. Mm-hmm. He traded up in the first round for Baker. Baker completely washed out. In fact, mm-hmm. he got arrested, I believe. Yeah, DeAndre Baker. Yeah, he's the one who's trying to rob people. Drafted Kyle Luletta, who was arrested and released. That he used a third-round supplementary pick on Sam Beal, Um, Antoine Bethea, Um, Alec Ogletree was the captain on the defense last year. He's not in the league anymore. It's not. These aren't good decisions. Gettleman has to go. I mean. Who's going to be the next GM? How would I know? Because I don't, I don't know who, the, who like a GM candidate is. But you know, it's clear that Dave Gettleman's not the guy in New York. Now, I think for the GM again, I don't know everybody behind football, but the Monday Night Announcer uh, and works for ESPN, Lewis Riddick. He is a young, young gun. It would be awesome, I think, for them to have again going from you said the old dinosaur Dave Gettleman. Now, Lewis Riddick, I think, would be awesome. You give a guy like him a chance, I think he, he could do a lot of good things. So now, we here, have... wait, Before we go on, I want to add one more thing about the Giants. They're, yeah. Dave, Dave Gettleman's going to go at the end of the year, mm-hmm. in all likelihood. If this continues to bottom out, they go 4-12, yes. 3-13, and 2-14, and 14, God forbid worse than that. There's no way he stays after three years of this. But yeah. the organization is now backwards because – you fire the GM and now you're going to have to hire a new GM. And in that interview process for said new GM, you have to say you have to keep Joe judge or you hire a new GM and then you fire Joe judge because the GM wants his guy. Now I feel like a better GM candidate, someone who's worth their salt is going to go into the interview process and says, I know how to fix this team, but I want my head coach. Now it's happened before with the jets. Remember when Rex Ryan was the head coach of the jets they fired um, Tannenbaum, I believe, was the GM. Yeah. And then they did interview processes, and one of the requirements to be the Jets GM at the time was to retain Rex Ryan as head coach. And the only GM that was cool with that was John Idzik, and that was complete mm-hmm. failure. So now you're in a tough spot as John Mara to make the decision of, okay, we're going to keep Joe Judge – but because of that, we might not get the best candidate at GM. We might just get want a guy that's desperate for the job and will do anything for it. Do you, you understand what I'm trying to say? I, that is a, that is a great point. I, I didn't even think about and and to to build. And we off saw that it too. a couple of years ago because McCagnan hired Gase, and now Gase and McCagnan had the power struggle, and now Joe Douglas is the D- GM, and Joe Douglas probably didn't want Adam Gase as his coach. 
So now that's a mess. So yeah. it, it, it's it, the owner, GM, head coach, and then after that, the quarterback all have mm-hmm. to be on the same page. So now the Giants might fire Gettleman, and they might get a GM that says, I don't want Joe Judge. I don't want Daniel Jones either. I want my guy, and then I want, you know, Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. So yeah. this can be a complete blow up. Yeah, and, and that's that's the thing. I think especially say say you give a team to say, say Lewis Riddick just say so he's gonna he's coming in. It's gonna be his first stint as a GM and working kind of front office and stuff like that. Wouldn't you want your guys like you, you're not gonna want to go through this first experience and be like ah oh, well like I did okay but uh, I didn't get the guys that I wanted as far as the quarterback and and the coach the coach more so specifically. So now again, this is just what happened with the Dolphins recently. You had uh, you're gonna have a, an absolute yard sale when it comes to the players because you you might have guys that fit Joe Judge's scheme, but you might not have guys who fit this new said head coach's scheme. And it's gonna be one of those very very tough kind of one year just basically tanks, but we'll call them the rebuilds that Giants fans are gonna have to endure. However, it's it's one year of that little rebuild, and then you now officially have your head coach in place, you have your team and, and, and scheme in place and everything like that. So I think if they do bring in a new GM, they should, un, they should make sure that the GM is very comfortable with the coach he has. And hopefully it is Joe judge because you don't want to give up on him after one year. But if Joe judge has to be the, the collateral damage there in order to get the GM who he feels is the best candidate for the job, then it is what it is. Yeah, and then there's another option that the Giants can do. That's hire internally a new GM, just promote mm-hmm. someone. But then that'll be just an extension of what Gettleman was already doing, which was a failure. So the, the I don't think the Giants are in any, you know, situation to succeed in the near future because, you know, they just did this backwards. And I, I'm, I might catch a little flack for saying this, and it hurts me to say it. I don't want to say it. But what probably did them in as a franchise – was trying to squeeze out one more run for Eli Manning. I mean, they, oh. they, I mean, in hindsight, in hindsight, let, let's, let me, let me, let me finish, Matt. Are you, cause you, you look like you're going to jump through the screen right now. No, I got you. They, they drafted Saquon Barkley and they drafted guys like Evan Ingram to surround Eli Manning with this talent. And then it obviously didn't work. They made the playoffs once and they got destroyed by the Packers. And now you have these win now players that, like Ingram and Barkley on a roster that's not working. I, I could not be more in more agreement with you. I've said this before to my friends about how, and this is like what I say, oh, well, they should have drafted Darnold instead of Jones in a year prior. And that's my biggest thing was they were holding on to Eli for too long. They, again, their, their respect and, and, and their faith in, in who he used to be versus the player he was. I honestly think single-handedly, is the reason they're they're at now. You get even with Gettleman yeah. drafting poorly and, and the the slew of head coaches and Ben McAdoo and all that. You, you just you absolutely drop the ball by not bringing in uh, a rookie quarterback or anybody to to sit in behind uh, Eli pri- like prior than just the one year that Daniel Jones had say like with Eli. Like you should have had somebody in there similar to like. Uh, a Jordan Love situation with with Aaron Rodgers and say, hey, like we're gonna just draft this rookie, and and we're gonna ride out who we have. But at least at, at a at least if we need the the backup or, or the rookie to come in, 
he's going to be ready to go in a year, two years, three years, and he has that experience behind Eli. Like, you just saw that the, the options, like you said, Kyle Lauletta, that's, that's your option. Uh, Geno Smith, that's, that's your best option. When Eli clearly wasn't playing well enough to elevate this franchise anymore. So I think the, the fandom for Eli really kind of was milked out a little too long. And I think a year specifically when you, you drafted guys like Evan Ingram and Saquon and, and stuff like that. So it really, again, I'm just overall, I'm just in agreement with you there. Yeah. I just want to preface. I love Eli Manning. I think he's a hall of famer and I can't, think and, and you, yeah, and even you can, though I'm wearing a Bills just... jersey, diehard giants fan. And you know, he's a hall of famer and he's done tremendous. He's the best quarterback in team history, but mm-hmm. you know, it, it's not, you know, the first time that, you know, organizations have done this. And I don't think it's hurt those organizations like it, it's hurt the Giants. For example, you know, it wasn't detrimental to the Yankees that they held on to Derek Jeter as long as they did. But in 2014, he wasn't the same guy. Could they have probably made a better, better run to the playoffs if they had a better shortstop at the time? Sure. Um, you're also a Laker fan. Kobe's last few years, injury riddled, cap hits, they brought in guys like Howard and Nash that and did work instead of blowing it up. They might've been in the playoffs in the finals, you know, a few years ago, instead of until now, it's hard to say goodbye to a legend, especially unceremoniously kind of kicking mm-hmm. him out. But mm-hmm. the giants tried so hard to get one more run out of Eli, not even Barkley and Ingram, but you know, hiring McAdoo quarterbacks coach with Aaron Rodgers before that they brought him in mm-hmm. for Eli Manning Pat Shermer offensive coordinator with the Vikings they brought him in for Eli Manning they tried so hard to get one more you know Super Bowl run for this quarterback and because of that the franchise has been set back a few years because now they're kind of rushing or are kind of going all over the place trying to fix everything on the fly because they couldn't say goodbye a year or two previously. Yeah. Again, it's, it's one of those situations where they should have understood like the people in the front office should have been like, listen, like this is still a business. Mm -hmm. And again, you love the guy. And I understand like, again, we can distinguish what he did versus who he was at the end versus him. He's still a hall of famer. Like you said, there's, we're not knocking his prior, uh, his his super bowl wins and all that stuff in his whole career. Mm -hmm. But, the back end of his career was obviously very, very poor. And we are both in agreement that they should have had a better option than Kyle Lauletta as, as their, their backup, whether it be getting a a sort of premier guy in free agency, Mm -hmm. not named Geno Smith, obviously, or investing a first or second rounder in a quarterback. Yeah. I mean, the Packers just did it with Jordan love. It pissed Aaron Rodgers off for a second, but He's playing fantastic right now. And then when it's time for Aaron Rodgers to go within the next two to three years, their plan is just slide in love and everything's going to be fine. Same thing with, I guess, what the Eagles are trying to do now. Maybe they're not so sold on Wentz because mm-hmm. you know he's been hurt. He's been ineffective. He wasn't really part of that Super Bowl run. That was more Nick Foles than anything else. And now they have Jalen Hurts just slide in if they decide, hey, we're going to make a change no matter how much we love Carson Wentz and how much we believe in him. Um, it's a tough business and sports is a very tough business and you have to be able to say goodbye to, you know, an icon for your franchise, no matter how hard it hurts, because when you're not good anymore, where you're not productive anymore, then you're just more of a detriment to the franchise than anything else. I'm not saying Eli is a detriment to the New York giants. He's the best thing that's ever happened to the New York giants, Mm -hmm. but those last two to three years, they could have had a guy behind him. Eli can groom, um, not saying that Eli would be happy with grooming because he wasn't really happy with Dan- 
being t- Daniel Jones's teammate last year. That was pretty obvious. But you know, it it, it hurt. It, it it's definitely hurt the Giants the last couple of years, and now they're scrambling to figure it out on the fly. So now we got two more Giants questions for you. One from uh, Frankie Frasco: Is it true or false? Are the New York Giants legitimately still in the NFC East race? Keep in mind the the what is it? The Cowboys are one and two. Cowboys and they're, are one they're, and two. The Redskins are one. Redskins the Redskins are one and two. The Washington football team. Sorry, Washington Excuse football me. team. <laughs> is one, I'll never get used to that. It took me like three yeah. years to stop saying Devil Rays. Yes, so this yes. Take a while. Um, and then the Eagles are 0-2-1 because they tied, and the Giants are on three. True or so, false, uh, Giants contenders? It, it's false. Where's, this, where's the win coming from? Matt, I'm going to rattle off the Giants' schedule for you. You tell me where they're – you stop me when they win the game, okay? All right. Here we go. They play oh, – that's the Ravens' schedule. Come on. Hold on. Stand by, stand by, stand by, stand by, stand by. This is dead air. This is not good. This is not a good podcast right now. But yeah, but like, <laughs> we got it. We got it. We got to keep it going. I should have. They play well, the Chargers in Los. Not the Chargers. The Rams in Los Angeles next week. Matt, is that a win or a loss? That's a loss. They're at the Cowboys. That's a loss. The next week, win or a loss. loss. They are home against Washington. Loss. At the Eagles. Loss. First, the Buccaneers. Loss. They're at. The football team. Loss. Again again with the Eagles. Home against the Eagles? Yeah. I'll give them that one. You'll give them that one? So that's week 10. I'll give them that one. So that is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. That's 0 and 9 before they win in week 10 against the Eagles. Then they have the bye week. Then they play at the Bengals. Oh, I, I, I think they'll win the Bengals. Just because I think right, let's give them the benefit the, of the doubt. Yeah, give, give Coming the out Bengals, of the bye, yeah. give them the benefit, yeah. the benefit of the yeah. doubt. Okay. Possibly so a new, new GM, but... <laughs> yeah, right? New coach. New quarterback, new coach, new everyone. Okay, so they're 2-9 and nine at Seattle. No. Absolutely not. Home against the Cardinals. No. Against the Browns, Odell Jr. comes back. No. no? At the Ravens. Absolutely not. And then week 17 against the Cowboys. Are they home? Yeah, I think I, I want to say, I, sure, why not? Maybe okay, they had a little, little, little three magic. and thir- three and thirteen. Does three and thirteen win the NFC East? No, and the only okay. the only other win I think I I could have gave them. Even if you say you give them two against the the, the Washington football team, that's five five wins really. You, Four, you're looking at a, or whatever. Four five. You look, you're looking at a top ten, top seven uh, draft pick again. I I, just, I don't I, I don't think they can compete. I just, I know the division's terrible, but, you know, the Cowboys, I think the Cowboys are the leader in the clubhouse in the division. I don't think the Cowboys are good, but I just think they're the best of the worst. Yeah. Um, I think the Eagles will figure something out. I think they won the division last year. They're too talented not to steal a few games, especially from mm-hmm. the Giants. Well, and then me. there's Washington. I guess, the, I guess Washington's a comp to the Giants. Yeah, that's what I mean. You'll, you'll see. You'll I mean, the, the whole division's an embarrassment. I think they're uh, they're two nine and one combined in the first three weeks. So the Giants are in it. Like, that, if you want to yeah. like think about it statistically and technically, but are they pre- contenders? No, they're pretenders. So they have to last, win a game first. They have to win yeah. one game first. So the last Giants question we got for you is from Parth, and he says, "What the f?" 
From who? Do the Giants from Parth. Okay. What the f do the Giants do from here? Um, I think what they do is what we just alluded to. I think they fire the GM. I think they'd fire they fire Gettleman. Um, it's funny. There's some Giants fans I've talked to that like what Gettleman's doing. I don't know how that could be any way a possibility. But I think the first thing they have to do is fire Gettleman. And then they have to decide with this new GM what his plan is. And we talked about it 10 minutes ago. Are, is that GM going to be okay with Joe Judge and Daniel Jones? Or does that GM want a new head coach and then his own quarterback? And that, that's, def, that's the crossroads that the Giants are going to be in come January. Um, I think in terms of who they need to draft, if it was up to me, um, I would find a GM. I would I'm on this fence, but like I'm leaning towards, you know, wanting Judge to stay. I like Joe Judge. I like what he says in the press conferences. I like that he's a disciplinarian. I like how he Same. he, you know, holds his players accountable. I think he does a really good job in that. The wins and losses aren't there, but you know, that wasn't expected this year. But I would hope Joe Judge is stay, stays with the new GM. In terms of who they sign and who they draft, the offensive line I, I've been saying it for like – I think Giants fans have been saying it for seven to eight years. The, the offensive line needs to be better. Daniel Jones yeah. doesn't have any time to throw the ball mm-hmm. downfield. I watch Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes throw the ball downfield all day. I don't think Jones has thrown – I think Jones' only deep ball was the Slayton touchdown in week one. That was really yeah. all I've seen in three mm-hmm. weeks. So, yeah, it doesn't have time to push the ball down the field. Um, also, the offensive line is bad defending – the block, run blocking, rush blocking. Yeah. So Saquon, when he comes back, he's going to need you know players to open up holes for him because the Giants are going to go as far as Saquon you know takes them. Um, I think the defensive line needs to be fixed, um, and I think they need a one a wide receiver one. I think they need that new Odell for they need a new toy for um, Daniel Jones because you know his number one target for the, through the air right now is Evan Ingram. And I don't think Evan Ingram's really that popular with Giants fans and with the Giants. He drops a lot of passes, a lot of offensive pass interferences. You know, he's not like, he's not Kelsey. He's not Kittle. And, so, and, and it's, I said it, the Giants need a whole new roster. Yeah. I, I said this to you. I think it was off, off the air saying, comparing Evan Ingram to Gary Sanchez. It's just he. They you want him to do so well. I really because he the, can. The, he's the, he's probably I mean, the fastest tight end on foot when he runs with the football. Basically a wide receiver. Yeah. Um, but just he showed the flash like when he's hot. There's there's like you said he, he's top top three tight end probably. But just the first few games that I've seen from him just drop passes. You said penalties. I think he's an absolute liability actually blocking. Yeah, I can't so block. It's it's going to be interesting to see that. So you definitely need the new toy. The secondary also need. I'm basically saying everything. You need a rebuild. You need it's complete it's tear a complete, down rebuild. Re, it's a complete rebuild, but, but they need but the right keep, guy to rebuild yeah. it. They need the right you know architect for this job, and I don't think Gettleman's the guy. So what do the Giants do from here? They file. They fire Gian, They fire Dave Gettleman, and they get you know an experienced. And I know Gettleman was with that Panther team that won the Super Bowl, but he got fired. They get. They get, you know, an experienced, well-respected executive to rebuild this thing. That's what they got to do. I'm with you 100%. So now keeping it in the NFC is probably my favorite question on here. No offense to anybody else who submitted questions. We thank you for them. This is from uh, Joey Lentz. Is it time to bench Wentz and put in Hurts? 
Wentz was terrible yesterday. He was absolutely terrible. I'll bring it up in a second. Um, they have Jalen Hurts, you know, ready in the wings. They tied the Bengals 23 to 23. I don't think it's just benching him for Jalen Hurts. I think it's even more than that. Do they consider, you know, bottoming out for a Fields or a Lawrence? I think that's in the conversation as well. Because the Eagles fans I talk to can't stand Wentz. Wentz went 29 for 47, 225 yards, a touchdown and interception. If you're an Eagles fan, Matt, you have that Super Bowl, but that really wasn't Carson Wentz. That was mm-hmm. Nick Foles. Every other yeah. year, it's been either you know not performing to what they want or getting hurt. He's very yeah. he's he's injury prone. Let's call it as it is. Mm-hmm. So you use the second round draft pick on Jalen Hurts as an Eagles organization with this in mind. Like they're not dumb. They know. No, I know. They know yeah. who made that playoff run. It wasn't Carson Wentz. They know Carson Wentz is hit and miss. They know, you know, he's fragile. At what point do they go to Jalen? I think it's a great question by Joey. They have to. They have to think about it because, as we talked about the last question, the NFC East can be won. Yeah, with eight, eight or even nine games. I can argue seven. Agreed. So I, I think. My- if I was um, new, if I was Philadelphia, I would give it two more weeks with Wentz. They are playing the 49ers in San Francisco next week. Now they might be a little healthier, but they're still pretty banged up. So we'll give Wentz that game to show himself, and then they play Pittsburgh. Now, if they lose to the 49ers, and the Pittsburghs are very good defense, and they just don't have it against Pittsburgh, week six, I think, you know, I think they rolled the dice and they, they try something. Because you, dra- you didn't draft Jalen Hurts for the second-round pick. This isn't the Jets with Hackenberg. Yeah. You drafted the guy to play. And yeah. we've seen him in packages so far mm-hmm. in the first three games. Now, do you give him the reins? At some point, maybe after the bye week, you give them that those two weeks to learn the playbook and learn the first team offense. I don't. I think it's a very good question. I think it's something Philadelphia should consider. And I, I think on it. So Doug Marone, their head coach, is is very big with the RPOs, and <laughs> that's such a, a college kind of style offense. Something that at Oklahoma, Jalen Hurts, even at Alabama too, he ran tremendously. So he kind of already fits the system. And you were reading their schedule. The way I see it, my prediction would be they're struggling at half to the Steelers, losing by, say, hey, maybe they lose by 17 to 20, something like that. And I think you make the switch at halftime and you put in Jalen Hurts and then you see what he's got. Again, yeah. I, I, I love the move. Again, it, they, they look like they want to get into a more of a, a mobile kind of scheme and use those RPOs. Now it opens up that the quarterback can hold it too and they can run. I, I think it would be very – more exciting uh, offense, and it would be a little tougher to game plan with Jalen Hurts at, at the reins than Carson Wentz as of right now. Yeah, I think Carson Wentz, I, he's such a great, like, talent. Hey, like, he's, he's huge. Good, but he's a just... big guy, and he's also mobile, and you don't really see that a lot. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the guy always gets hurt, and when he's on the field, it's very underwhelming. Do you think they win the Super Bowl if he didn't get hurt and it was him in the playoff run? I I, I want to say no, and again, I get I I hate to disrespect Wentz because because they they did really well prior to him being hurt, 
But I don't know. Nick Foles was just absolutely magical. I don't know if if Wentz really gets it done. Just because, I mean, you look what Nick Foles just did with the Bears when they came back against the Falcons. Yeah, and he's going to start next week. He's named the starter. Exactly. So it's going to be really interesting. And, again, I think, like you said, they, they invested that, that second-round pick. And they're obviously in more of a win-now situation, especially with the NFCs being how it is. Hey, it's, I mean, you have a poor showing, you lose against the Niners, and then uh, you have a poor showing against the Steelers. Why not give it a Hurts? And then, and then make Carson Wentz earn his job back. Yeah, I don't think Carson Wentz has earned anything. What, what has he accomplished, really? Yeah, it's... It, he didn't it's, win the Super Bowl for them. I mean, he made the playoffs last year, then he got hurt in the wild card game. And then they had mm-hmm. to bring in McCown. And then th- I think that was the epiphany that the Eagles had when they got hurt, when Wentz got hurt in the wildcard game against the Seahawks. And then McCown came in. And then the Eagles were like, you know, this is still a winnable game. And we don't have the quarterback that can bring us there. So that's why I think they drafted Hurts for that kind of situation. But even without the injury, he, he turns the ball over a ton. Mm-hmm. He misses wide open receivers. I think. He bad. I, in a division where you can kind of back into and represent for the playoffs, the East for the playoffs, I think, I think every team should be all hands on deck trying to get this winnable division. And if you have to hurt Carson Wentz's feelings and start Jalen Hurts, then so be it. Because at the end of the day, it's a business and you need the business of winning. And if yeah. Doug Peterson and that organization thinks that Jalen Hurts is the better option for the Eagles' success, then they do it. Because, you know, Wentz isn't a 15-year vet. It's not Eli Manning. Yeah. Um, he's a guy that's been there for what five years, something like that. Yeah. So I th- I, I think absolutely you consider Jalen once. Very good. So th- this one uh, from uh, Jeff Lombardi this is like inside joke between me and uh, my friends on my team. Is, is Taysom Hill the most exciting player in the NFL? Taysom so I'll, Hill. <laughs> I'll take. Please I'll preface. Take this. Please please enlighten me on why this is an inside joke. So, yeah, so one of my friends, uh, Dan Carter, said that Taysom Hill is the most exciting player he, he's seen in the NFL right now. And we all were, were busting him and saying that not Lamar Jackson, not Patrick Mahomes, not McCaffrey, no, none of these guys. He said Taysom Hill, the, the glorified gadget backup backup quarterback, is his, is his, his most exciting player in the NFL. So I just, just give me a yes or no, real but, quick. But wait, let, let's let's dissect this for a second. When you're watching like, a Saints, a, when you're watching a Saints game, especially with the way the Saints have been playing this year, they were very they, they were very disappointing against the Packers on Sunday Night Football. Mm-hmm. You pay attention to the Saints more when he's on the field than when he's not. You you so raise is he you, the you most exciting. A, is he? He could be. I, I maybe the most exciting. I mean, on I mean, he, he's not. He, he's not. Oh, yeah. right, let's be real. <laughs> But yes. but let's but let's let's talk about this for a second because you know Drew Brees is not clearly not the same player in the first three weeks than he's been in his entire career. He's not throwing the ball downfield. Um, I think the Saints are really hurt by not having fans in the Superdome because that is like with the Seahawks probably the best home field yeah. advantage you can have. I would agree. Um, are, I know it's tough because you know we talked about you know how the, the Eagles don't owe Carson Wentz a thing. Well, the Saints it's kind of the opposite. They kind of do owe you know. Drew Brees kind Drew Brees, of yeah. farewell tour, but yeah, with the you know with the Buccaneers you know breathing down their neck and challenging them for the division, if Taysom Hill is better off for the Saints than Drew Brees, do you dare make that move? I, I don't know. It just it again. Drew Brees is, is still awesome, and while we're we'll get off topic, and we'll we'll, we'll clarify that Taysom Hill is not the most exciting player in the no, NFL. But while we're talking about the Saints. 
Yeah, if if they're if they're at say the 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 fifty yard line and they need to throw a hail mary, Drew Brees is not going in the game. You're bringing in Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's a very kind of strange thing. And just watching him the past three games so far, like I know people always like kind of said the Saints are very dink and dunk, and they might they make fun of like Michael Thomas where he only runs slants. I thought that was all just a joke. Like I like, I never realized like they legit only do slants and then dumb passes. And, and that's like, not what they used to be. No, I mean like Kamara's Kamara's uh fifty yard touchdown was literally a checkdown that mm-hmm. he just trotted down the field and bounced off everybody and he made a sick play himself. So mm-hmm. you, you need a quarterback to throw slants and checkdowns. I think I possibly could be quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. Not trying now, to disrespect now I haven't watched you know a lot of Saints football. I watched Sunday mm-hmm. night. Is it offensive line because they're not throwing the ball downfield is breeze's arm not there no, it's, it, it's 100 percent his arm because you could see you, you so you see that because they obviously have the the wide outs to, to get open you have emmanuel yeah. sanders to space the field but you you see his arm and you see the velo on the outside uh the outside passes and and the deep ball or lack thereof so you see that their game plan is all kind of middle of the field quick little within five to ten no more than ten yard routes and that's something that's so easy to defend too i mean i i i I, you don't you're not there's no threat of a deep ball i i think teams are going to start keying on that and and really looking at and say hey we're going to play man up right in your face defense and then we're going to say hey beat us deep one-on-one and then Mm -hmm. and then if drew Brees does then hey you tip your cap but for right now i really haven't seen any threat of, of, of a deep ball or even an out route. Everything's no. just kind of over the middle or it's a check down. So I think so – is, uh, is, it, is, it, is it Taysom Hill time? I, I'd probably still go – I think go your friend Jay- would be thrilled if that happened. Yeah, no, 100%. I, I'd still go to Jameis over Drew Brees. And again, Drew Brees is, is still awesome, but it's just their game plan definitely looks limited. And I think that for, for Saints fans going into the playoffs and, and trying to win a Super Bowl, that would scare me a little bit. Because you look at, you look at what Rodgers did. He, he's rolling out, throwing sixty-yard dimes off his back foot, like, I, I, and and Drew, Drew Brees obviously he can't do that. But like again, I don't know if he could throw a forty-five-yard hail mary right now. Yeah. So it's gonna I mean, be interesting. The to Super Bowl, see. the Super Bowl quarterbacks that are you know compete for a Super Bowl this year. Let's say Wilson, Mahomes, Jackson. You know. Um, even a Prescott at times, like they could all yeah. throw that long, deep pass down the field. And when you, you when you can't do that, I mean, it's it, it's it, part it, it's it's a thing in the repertoire of a quarterback that you kind of need. I mean, I it's agree. not it's not the most important thing, accuracy stuff like yeah. that. Which which obviously no, ball security that's at. A, that's the most important thing. But mm-hmm. you know you need that deep threat. And and, like, if the, like if the said, Saints have a quarterback on the roster that can do those things and be the deep threat, yeah, I, it's hard because Saint, Drew Brees is such a legend in that city and that organization. But, you know, next yeah, year, and, it's, it's going to be Taysom Hill or Jameis Wilson next year anyway. Yeah, again, I'm, I'm very, very interested to see what happens there. So moving on to another question from Style. He said, Thoughts on the Texans after starting 0-3 against three tough opponents, those opponents being the Chiefs, the Steelers, and then who did they play? Ravens. Two. Ravens. I don't know. Well, I mean, that's, that's, those, that's probably as hard as you can get in the NFL. 
Yeah, that's three. Those are three like Super Bowl competitive, like Super Bowl you know teams. I can yeah, so I'll I'll start off real quick. Again, watching them play the Chiefs was very very underwhelming. Then, but then then you look at what the Chiefs just. But did that's to, the first Thursday night game, and the team that's like, the, the Super agreed, Bowl winning yeah. team normally wins that game. Yeah, and I think the the Steelers they they competed a, a little bit more, and but they, obviously they still took the loss. I I just. I, I don't see them like I, I really don't, don't see them making any any splashes. I, I think they'll make the playoffs possibly with like that seventh seed, but I don't really see them doing anything further than that. They just they don't have again, they don't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore. They don't really have much of a, a rushing attack and it just it seems like uh Watson's gonna have to do it all himself and not knocking him, but it's just with, with the way their team's kind of uh, set up right now. I don't think it's possible for him to. It's just they're asking a lot of him right now. I know they're paying him a lot, but I, I really don't see the Texans kind of making any crazy run in the playoffs. I, but I definitely wouldn't panic as a Texans fan. I, I still think they're a solid lock for the playoffs, but I'm interested to see. What do you think? I'd be furious if I was a Texans fan and I got that schedule release whenever it came out, May or whatever, and I mm-hmm. saw the first three games. That's brutal. And you know what? That's a bad job, in my opinion, on the NFL for doing that to them because they're a good team. They made it to the divisional round last year, and they were up 24 nothing on you know the Chiefs, who won the Super Bowl. So you'd think that the NFL, whoever the schedule makers are, I don't know if it's a computer thing that just randomly I have no idea. does it. But yeah. if it's a man-made, like, written-down thing that people sit down in a room for eight hours and figure out, they had to look at this say, no, 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 we can't do this to them. But, you know. They did, and it's it's it sucks for them. But you know, the five of the next six games very winnable. They have home against the Vikings, home against the Jaguars at Tennessee. Then they play the Packers. That's going to be tough. Then they have the bye, and then they play the Jaguars again in Jacksonville, and then the Browns. So this is the part of the schedule where it gets a little bit better. After that, it's the Patriots. That's a tough game, but it's home. And then they have a you know a mediocre Lions team, mediocre Colts team. The Bears, who knows who they are? Colts again, Bengals, Titans. So the tough you can argue that the tough part of their schedule is done and they could rattle off nine to ten of the last thirteen games. So I those, wouldn't panic about yeah. if you were the Texans, but it's just it's just a rough break. Those 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 Titans games are like obviously they're divisional games. I think those are gonna be huge. I think you get swept by the Titans, you lose two there, that's gonna be really interesting and then that, that might really drop them into that kind of eight and eight realm uh, yeah. I'm, I'm very curious to see what they do there especially that first show against uh Tannehill and the titans so like we just talked about you, i think yeah, you they can about- still make the play the the, the the i think the odds for an <clears throat> 0 three team to make the playoffs are not good at all i think they're in like yeah 20 10 kind of thing but if any team would do it it's this team because yeah. their schedule isn't that great and you can't blame them for losing to the Chiefs, Ravens, no, and Steelers. not at all. That's not their I think, fault. I mean, no, it'd, be I, not, I, it'd be nice if they stole one. Yeah. But that's, it's just the way it is. I think that's just the way that we as fans overanalyze, I think, the, the first half of the season versus the second half. Yeah. So the next question we got is from JR. He asked, do the Bears start Big Dick Nick next week, which obviously Nick Foles is already starting. And he says, if so – What's the future for Mitch look like? I'll let you take the reins for this one. The future for Mitch is, you know, when he's good, he looks really good, but he's most of the time he's very bad. I think 
who do you, Matt, I'm going to throw this question back at you that I just thought of. Who do you think would be a better quarterback if they were given, you know, a hundred percent vote of confidence in by their organization? Do you think it's Trubinsky or do you think it's Josh Rosen? Ooh, Ooh, that's, that's a, that's an interesting one. I, I think they're like, if an organization said Mitch or Josh, you're the guy, don't worry about it. Nobody's taking your spot. Just go play football and have fun, kid. What quarterback succeeds more, Rosen or Trubisky? I'm. Uh, that is a that is a great a great question. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna be an outlier. I'm gonna say Rosen just because Rosen's knock is is his uh, ability to kind of read defenses. And I think obviously he only played one one season and he played it sparingly with the Dolphins a little bit. But I think his his tutelage that he's going to get from Brady in Tampa Bay is going to really help him out. And, again, he's still young. He's like 23, 24. And mm-hmm. I think with Trubisky, you almost see his ceiling a little bit. Where Rosen, you're, you're still kind of curious, is there anything more? So you're, you make a good point. Say, hey, you give Rosen another full 16-game season with a team that isn't the Arizona Cardinals or the crappy Miami Dolphins at the time. I think I think you'd be you'd be curious to see and maybe surprised that Rosen would be maybe one or two wins better than Trubisky and I think in the in the grand scheme of a franchise that's that's a good amount right there that could push you into the playoffs versus not. I mean, well, I'll, I'll circle it back to Trubisky in a second, but I just want to say I think Rosen has gotten a terrible, you know deal in the nfl yeah 100 so i don't think it's yeah. been fair to him at all i mean life's not fair the nfl's not fair again it's a business yeah. I said it. this is the third time i said it on this episode but mm-hmm. if i was an organization and i'm not going to get a fields or a lawrence or you know uh lance is that the other kid yeah yeah, yeah. and like mm-hmm. i'm looking through free agency i'm looking through a trade opportunities like if i'm an organization that needs a quarterback and or, or wants a quarterback to bring in to compete with who i have i think rosen's a solid option and I think he deserves some sort of, you know, real chance in the NFL. But back to Trubinsky, I he's he's like a Mark Sanchez. He's like a Colt McCoy. He's a he's a yeah. good backup. Hundred percent. He's he's like a Mariota. Like he won't. Like he doesn't make the guys around him better. And again, mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's going to be a Watson, but I, if you constructed the perfect team around him, I still don't think he does anything that special or or, mm-hmm. or makes a deep playoff run. So that, that I guess he's probably, you know, top tier backup quarterback too, which is important. Oh, you, I mean, you wrote an article about how important a backup quarterback is. Yeah. I'd love, I, I'd like to have um, Mitch Trubisky as my backup quarterback. If God, Why forbid, not? Yeah. Daniel Jones went down because right 100%. now it is Colt McCoy. Yeah. And I wouldn't want that. So, so yeah, again, backup quarterback, perfect option right there. Mm-hmm. Starting quarterback. Not so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not going to win you a Super Bowl. Let's be real. No. I don't, I don't think, again, I don't, he might not even win you a playoff game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he did, but the kicker missed the extra. <laughs> yeah, touche, <laughs> touche there. So what do we got? So now, do we dare get into the Jets questions now? Ooh, I would love that. Do we do it? We, we should do so, it. So Yusuke wants to know, do you think Sam Darnold is a bust? And I'll take, I'll take the first thing here. No, I don't, I don't no. think Sam Dar- Darnold is a bust by any means. Again, he's been – Ravaged by terrible coaching with Adam Gase. I think terrible uh, construction of a team and an offensive line and, and, and terrible, just terrible construction of the, the wide receiver core too. However, I don't, uh, 
I don't fault the the Jets organization. Oh, they're injured. They're this. They're that. Because you control how you construct your team. Go get some depth. Go figure it out. They, again, you can't put all your eggs into one basket with Bashar Perryman being your number one. Go figure it out. Get some good quality backups and and invest in a good quality offensive line uh, for Sam Darnold. I think you you watch every snap he he takes. It's just he's running for his life. However, he himself doesn't look too good when the line is intact and he does have some time to play, but is he a bust? I would say not, not yet. And there's no, no, you can't really call it yet. No shot. No, I agree a hundred percent. I mean, let's, let's, let's be honest. I mean, he has to, he has to play better than what he's played. Yes. I agreed. know case is terrible and I know he doesn't have weapons, but his first, his the first throw of the game yesterday was a pick six. He had three interceptions yesterday. I mean, at some point you need to, make something out of nothing, I guess, which I guess yes. is not really fair because he's 23 years old. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the, the skill set's there. I mean, we saw the touchdown pass he threw yesterday, the one touchdown yeah. pass he threw. He avoided the rush. He went outside the pocket and he threw a strike to the receiver for the touchdown. I mean, he makes that kind of play once per game to show what he could be. But, you know, in all fairness to him, he has, he has no one to work with. I mean, Gase is a disaster. Um, yeah. I mean, the whole organization's a disaster. They have been for, since I could remember. I mean, other than the two Rex Ryan years when they went to the AFC Championship game, they've done nothing. But the one thing that you have to be worried about if you're Sam Darnold is if it goes to 1-15 and 0-16 and, and you have Trevor Lawrence, you know, dangling around, are you the next Josh Rosen? I think that Sam Darnold will get a chance before Josh Rosen will to yes. be a starter. But, mm. I mean you can get kicked to the curb when it's really not your fault. But I, don't want, I wouldn't say he's a bust. He's not a bust. A 23-year-old's yeah. not a bust. Yeah, uh, 100%. And I think while we're, while we're talking about that, I think it's, it's so easy for people to say, fans especially, and this is something I really took a, a deep dive into, obviously, because the amount of times I heard my friends say two is going to be a bust, it was astounding. I, it, it is so much easier to say uh, – a top draft pick, especially a quarterback, is going to be a bust. It, it's harder to say, hey, this guy is going to be good. So it takes no no talent as a fan and as an evaluator of just people to say, oh, he's going to be a bust because there's a better or better than not chance that, hey, they are going to be a bust. Like you look at the Colt McCoys, you look at the Brandon Whedons, you look at all these guys, the Browns, RG3. Johnny Manziel, RG3, you get all, all those guys. So it, it, it's so it's so easy and it really bugs me when people say oh this guy's going to be a bust blah 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 so that's just a little side note of for just the whole everyone's going to be a bust kind of talk but also now also with with the jets here well jr is also a jets hater so he's going to do that yeah oh yeah of course of course so we have a question from colin lombardo plays second base with me at william patterson says, Jets lose on Thursday. Does Gase get fired? So now we're going to hone in on Adam Gase once again. Let's, let's rattle it off. You go first. I think he does. I think he gets fired if they lose Thursday. If they lose embarrassingly Thursday, which is the only way they lose, apparently, over the last couple of years, if they get absolutely destroyed by a Denver Broncos team that, could, that is arguably just as bad as they are, flying halfway across the country on a short week at home, if the Jets lose that game, if you're not going to fire him now, when are you going to fire him? I mean, they're going to fire him at the end of the year if they don't. But, like, I th- at some point, you have to get that pound of flesh. You need that sacrificial lamb. And it's been so embarrassing the first four weeks of the season that if they lose to the Denver Broncos, I think it's over for Gase, especially if Darnold has a bad game. 
the only way that can save Gase's job throughout the rest of the season, because he's getting fired no matter what at the end of the year, there's no doubt in my mind, if, you know, Darnold has, you know, one good game. I think it yeah. goes week to week on Darnold. I think Darnold um, is the kind of the key holder to Adam Gase's job. So if Darnold struggles against the Broncos and the Jets lose, I think Gase is done. But that also kind of begs the question, does firing Gase midseason actually accomplish anything? Does it really make a difference? So with that, I do think – I think if if Gase and the Jets lose to a Drew Lockless Broncos, like mm. you said, flying across, I think, yes, 100% he gets fired. And do I think it, it helps? 100%. I think you give the really? team to, to anybody else because the way I see it is it doesn't seem like Adam Gase – has any control of the locker room, whether it be with Jamal Adams, whether it be with Le'Veon Bell, all these guys. So you gotta you gotta give these players something to fight for because they clearly are playing uninspired football. And Sam Darnold's got to be like, like like you said, he's got to understand the severity of the situation that he's going into his third year as a starter. He's not really getting better by any means, and you just got to say, all right, please, like just just bring in hiring somebody else. You're not going to bring in a guy and he's not going to come in with a new scheme. You'll probably just hire the OC or the DC. So the whole play is going to be the same, but you're going to look at, all right, can somebody else lead this group of men? And I think you have a better shot with a guy like Greg Williams or honestly anybody else in, in the house right now than Adam Gase to, to really uh, make an improvement here. So I definitely think getting at, rid of Adam Gase sooner than later, even if it's midseason after four games, is going to benefit them in the long run. Now, let, let me ask you this. Well, let's say what you said happens, and they fire him after Thursday, and they bring in um, Williams to be the head coach, and it just provides this spark for the Jets, and then they rattle off four wins the rest of the way, and then they don't get the, you know, the number one pick. Does that help the organization? Or do you just run it out with Gase and just bottom out, tank, 0-16, get that one pick, and then you have the pick of the litter from anyone in the draft? What's better for the Jets, hypothetically? Greg Williams after this week and then rattling off four to five, just having this good feeling in the locker room with the team that's there or bottoming out with Gase, firing him on black Monday, the Monday after week 17 and having that first overall pick. If you had to choose, if you were a Jets fan or a Jets in the, in the Jets organization and you're not winning this year and it's all about the future, what's more beneficial to the organization, A or B? So, I, I think you, you, you chalk this up to an L and you just say, hey, give me the, give me the first, first overall pick. You give me a clean so slate. You, that, that would mean keeping Gase and just running it the rest of the way. <laughs> yeah, basically. basically. Yeah, in, the, in, the, in the grand scheme of, of everything, I, this might be counterintuitive what I just said, but I think, yeah, I think you go, you just you tear it all down. It, you, your team isn't constructed to do anything uh, of, of any value this year anyway. So again, if if Gase means getting you the first overall pick, then yeah, you, you keep him. But uh, I I still think that 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 they they should fire Gase. I think the the Greg Williams hire will give them a little spark. I still think they'll finish with a top five pick, if not a top three pick, anyway. So that that's the best case scenario for the, for this season for them. Yep, I, I would I would agree. I think the best thing is to lose as many games as possible. I mean, tanking sucks. Nobody likes tanking, but but it's one you know. it's, it's one it's one year of sacrifice. So yeah, exactly. I mean, I'm still pissed that you know Chase Young's not a giant. Yeah, and you'll you'll see him you'll see him twice. Don't worry. Oh, he got hurt. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if that groin heals up by then. Yeah. So All right, let's do a couple more because we're at the hour mark already. 
Got it. So uh, we'll go uh, – last one with the Jets here. We go, uh, if you're the new GM of the Jets, this is from uh, Stephen DiGirolamo. What is your first move? So let, let's just – let's say hypothetically in this situation, the Jets have the number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. And, and they went 0-16. What is your first move? And you still have Adam Gase as a head coach. What was the question? There's no new so, GM. It's still going to be Douglas. Well, yeah, I guess. So, so if you so are Joe, we'll change the question. We'll modify yeah, the yeah, question so, a little bit. If you are yeah. Joe Douglas, what's yeah, your first yeah. move after firing Gase? I, I, yeah, we'll say after firing Gase. I think we can both agree that Gase is going to be fired anyway. Okay, so let's, let's do this in two parts because we kind of know what the two moves are going to be. It's going to be the head coach and it's going to be the, court, the draft, the first overall pick. So let's say mm-hmm. they need a new coach with the first overall pick. The coach that I would want if I'm the Jets, I mean, the dream will be Bill Cowher, but are you going to pry him away from CBS? I don't think you will. Um, if I was the Jets, I would want someone with experience. I would want that Andy Reid type guy because, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure the Jets organization is kind of equipped to get that, like Sean McVay, because you need a little bit of a reputation of being a successful franchise to get that kind of guy. So I think you need someone to kind of make the Jets not a laughingstock. You need someone that's highly respected in, throughout the NFL. So a name like Bill Cower comes to mind. Um, Bill Belichick will never coach the Jets. I don't know no. why that popped in my mind for a second. No. Um, who else is there? I mean, they, they messed up not getting Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy was the guy for the Jets. I wanted him mm-hmm. for the Jets when he originally got let go by Green Bay. But, you know, someone like that, like a Bill Cower type guy for the head coach, for the first overall draft pick, and I'll say the same thing about the Giants, and I really like Daniel Jones. I think they can win with Daniel Jones. The Giants can. But you don't pass up Trevor Lawrence. So I think a respected veteran head coach that has on-field success and has won in the past for the, as head coach, and then I think Trevor Lawrence is quarterback. Yeah, so Tyler Cronin and uh, Dylan Brown had similar questions basically about the Jets and Trevor Lawrence and what do you do with Gay. So I'll kind of answer that too right now. If I was the GM of the Jets after the season, first thing you do, you fire Gase and you go to Ann Arbor in Michigan. You give Harbaugh a blank check and say, come, yep. come coach yep. for me. So that, okay. that's, step, that's step one. Step two before the draft is you trade Le'Veon Bell and get some, some sort of picks. Because, again, it's just having a running back paying what him. value does he have? Though? I, think, I think another team will definitely take him. Again, his contract like is all Like a third, awful. a fourth? I think, you, you, I think you, you take whatever. It doesn't matter. You, you already invested the money in him, so you, just, you take the loss of the money. Again, you don't need uh, – Le'Veon Bell does not fit the plans of what this team is going to need to do. You, you take those, those extra picks, even if it's a third, a fourth, multiple, maybe you get a second, who knows, probably not. You take whatever you can, and you just invest in the draft, invest in the draft, invest in the draft, specifically offensive linemen too. So then the, the third thing would be draft Trevor Lawrence. I think it's just s- simple as that. Draft Trevor Lawrence, you have two first-round picks. So you would also I – would, I would like to draft, hey, maybe you get a, uh, top, a, a premier wide receiver in the draft, and then you just – you get all the offensive linemen you can. And not these, like, lower tier – like, I know the whole thing with them this offseason, oh, we got a bunch of – High, uh, high reward, low risk guys as far as contracts and players, and they got like glorified backups to be the alignment. Yeah, well, right now they're failing pr- pretty good right now. Do you think that they can get a first for Sam Darnold? Because if you draft, dra- if you draft Trevor Lawrence, or you make it known that you're going to draft Trevor Lawrence, <coughs> then you got to trade Darnold. You can't keep him. I w- I would say 
So I would say no. I think they could get a second because that's what Jimmy G uh, cost of the Niners. However, I still wouldn't trade. I still wouldn't trade. Uh, uh, no, nah. You, he can't be your backup. That's you. He's not. It would help the organization, but for the draft picks. But it, it depends how much you value uh, competition and that that kind of insurance plan, like we talked about earlier, about having two eligible quarterbacks and also you got to understand that you really but here's not- the thing and here's where i'll disagree with you when you draft someone first overall there's no competition i know but there's yeah, no competition especially with another 24 year old kid but 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 so you, you figure the the jets need a, a pretty full rebuild on the offensive line still besides beckton do you want to throw trevor lawrence out there without even knowing what's what's on the field or do you give Sam Darnold the first six weeks and you have Trevor Lawrence and let just, just at least see what that offensive line is. No, like. I don't think they can coexist. The, you know, the nightmare in the press and with the fans and, in, and just with those two guys at camp Agreed. at the same time, that would be a PR disaster. I think if they draft Trevor Lawrence, they need to trade away Darnold for whatever they can get and then sign some journeyman um, quarterback like a Fitzpatrick to be that competition. I don't think it would be a horrible idea to have both of them at training camp at the same time because the media is going to have a field day with that and the fans are going to just have a field day with that. It would be a complete and utter toxic situation if you had Donald and Lawrence at the same time. That's fair. Yeah, again, I, 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 love, I love the competition, uh, but uh, I definitely you, – you're probably right in, in this scenario that you draft Trevor Lawrence, especially first. Again, it's not like Tua where he was coming off an injury and stuff like that. He's healthy. He's fresh. He's been the most sought-out prospect since he stepped foot uh, on Clemson. So I think you say, hey, I guess I give him the reins right away. And you, you keep a guy like Flacco, who they have on their team, really anyway. Mm-hmm. So, that, yeah, so I think that, that's definitely – you just you give him the reins. Say, here you go. Here's the keys to New York. You have him for at least the next five years, and then we'll see. It'll be, it'll, it's going to be crazy to see how this turns out with them. The last two quick questions, uh, they're more uh, Dolphin-related. Uh, Greg Matesic asks, more wins this year for the Finns or the Vikings? He says, I'm going at best the Vikings go 4-12. and And the Vikings are a very strange team right now. And, again, yeah. they're 0-3 to start. They uh, traded for Yannick Ngakwe. I'm assuming they traded with the intention of, of paying him and probably a large sum of money. And you're paying Kirk Cousins, what, $30, 33000000 million. They don't have uh, a contingency plan at quarterback in the next year or two. So I think Vikings fans are, are in a, a very weird situation where they had high hopes for themselves to start the season. And, and they, I still think they should keep their hopes high just because their roster is not constructed for a rebuild with their quarterback situation. And then obviously financially too, if you plan on playing, uh, paying Yannick Ngakwe. So uh, I, I would, Greg, and Zach, too, if you're listening, I pray to God that the Vikings have more wins than the Miami Dolphins, who are in year two of a rebuild. I'll put it that way. And if the Vikings go 4-12, and 12, you're clearing house. You're, you're, you're trading Cousins by somehow. That's the Trevor Lawrence team. Well, that, that's what I mean. So if they, they're, they're in a similar situation with, with the Jets, kind of, hey, like, if we end up with that top pick, you know, you have Kirk Cousins, I think it would be a little easier for them to say, hey, we're drafting Trevor Lawrence because Cousins only – one year left anyway. If you look at the divisions, obviously the 
Dolphins are in the AFC East. That's a tough division with the Bills and the Patriots. But, you know, those two games against the Jets, those are automatic wins. So that puts the Dolphins at four or three wins automatically. Like, let's hypothetically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the Vikings, they play the Texans, Seahawks, Falcons going into the bye. Then Packers, Lions, Bears, Cowboys, Panthers, Jaguars, Buccaneers, Bears, Saints, and then the Lions. So that's not an easy schedule that's, at all. That's, that's a, tough. That's a, that's a very tough schedule. Yeah, that's a tough schedule. Can so I go tie? Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, you could say you could say maybe both finished with around four wins. Four like, or five. I would be heartbroken if that was the case for the Dolphins, but I, I to answer yeah. the question, I'll say the Vikings win more games. After you, after you read that schedule, I honestly might say the Dolphins. Or maybe might not. Win. Yeah, that's a tough schedule. I think, I think the, yeah, the Dolphins have game, games against two against the Jets. Mm-hmm. You have the Patriots at home for for some reason. We always win that game. I don't know why. Uh, you're gonna get. Uh, uh, you have the Cardinals, you have the Chargers, you have the Rams, you have the Bengals. Um, Let's say they win Bron- the two Broncos. against the Jets. They play the, they win the two against the Jets. They beat the Bengals. They beat the Bear. The um the Browns. Right? They play the Browns. Broncos. 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 That's that's yeah. five or six wins right there. That's what I mean. Then then you have a couple possible games with with the Chargers. The the Rams is probably going to be a loss. Maybe I I, I don't know. I, I think they have a lot more winnable games than what you just read off for the for the Vikings. Yeah. So, so I think it might be it might be the Dolphins and that that would suck for you. My faith. Uh, yeah. I mean you guys you have Tua, so is that top ten pick really not you can still in that eleven to eighteen range get a pretty solid pick. Oh I mean if we're gonna touch upon that real quick, I get feed me feed I mean feed me the number one pick, but feed me it from the Texans being worse than the Dolphins. Mm. That and then and then you either trade back because someone's going to give up an absolute ransom for for Trevor Lawrence, and also that would be huge. Say they did have the number one, where and you trade it back to ensure that the Jets don't get Trevor Lawrence. You could control that. You'd basically be trading with an I would assume an NFC team, so he's not even in your conference. That would be something pretty cool too. I think you don't have to see him in your own division. And then again, the, the, like you said, yeah, the Dolphins don't need a, a quarterback, but they they'll they'll keep taking premier draft picks if they can. Yeah, I I think the Dolphins are set up for if they draft the right guys. I think they could be very good within the next two to three years. The last question is from my brother Dave, and he says, "What is a success defensively this week for the Finns? Keep in mind the Finns are playing the absolute smoking hot MVP Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Oh no! Oh, no. So the positive is." The Seahawks are flying across the country. Probably couldn't be uh, a longer distance between them. But we need South Florida to the northwest. To Se- yeah, to Seattle, Washington. That's so we're gonna have to ch- check the stats there. Probably the longest flight they're it gonna is. have to take. It, it is the longest. And it's a it's a one o'clock game. And then if if you factor in the weather, hopefully it's hot. So the odds are are, are stacked against uh, the Seahawks t- to start. However, do I think the Seahawks are gonna win? Of course, it's Russell Wilson. He'll figure it out. But to answer the question, what is a success defensively this week? I would say a success is uh, holding them to under 100 yards rushing. And I would say holding them, honestly, to under 275 passing about and then limit them to 24 points. 
I think those those would be pretty successful to 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 for me to say, hey, you're gonna stop them under 100 yards rushing, and then you're gonna stop uh stop them from scoring more than like 17 points. That's that's a lot to ask for. I, I think from 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 a, a younger Miami Dolphins defense. As much as again, I'm not saying that that they they're off the hook to just completely shit the bed. But that's what I think a good a good defense and, and, and mix in a, a turnover and say a few, a, two sacks, give me some sort of pass. That that I would say give me one turnover and a couple sacks. That would be a good defensive game. And I'm still assuming they're going to lose. I would agree with you. I think a turnover and a sack and just not being embarrassed would be fine yeah. for me. I mean, yeah. th- with everything you just said, flying across the country, the time difference, the, you know, how good the, the Seahawks are, the, the weather. fact that Miami's still in a rebuild. I Honestly, if I was a Dolphins fan, I'd just be like, eh, you know what, let's just throw this one away. Whatever happens, happens. As long as they get on the plane and everyone's healthy and there's no catastrophic injuries to some important guys, that's I think that's the wit I'm looking for if I'm a Dolphins fan. I mean – Crazier things have happened any any given Sunday is the uh, the old mantra with people, but yeah, I, I would yeah. like to see uh, some some sacks and a turnover. That'd be nice. Yeah, just just something. What do you, what would I, you want to see offensively? Uh, uh, again, offensively, th- this is a, a more interesting question I think because you look at uh, a defense that right now I think statistically is the worst, mm-hmm. and they've given up a. a so many yards and points, and they potentially could be without Jamal Adams. However, you shouldn't have an issue game planning against Jamal Adams because you've played against him the past three years, whatever it is, and then Flores twice last year. So I really don't like – like, obviously, you're factoring Jamal Adams being good, but it's not going to be a surprise. So offensively, I would say you rush for over 100 yards. That's a pretty good benchmark for, for me. And I think fits to have – over say like 225 and you, you put up at least 21 to 24 points but mostly with me and the Dolphins and I think any team for the most part you want to see them run the ball well because you run the ball well sets up the play action and then the passing yards start coming alive and I think that's something that, that the Giants too especially can look at and I'll, I'll, I'll even flip this now to you the Giants play who this week the Rams the Rams so the Rams coming off a, a brutal loss to the Bills what what is a, a successful game for them? Is it simply a win, or is there some numbers and stats to go along? You could break it up offensively first, and then defensively second, if you want, or all together. You tell me. Um, a win's not happening. Let's just be frank with that. I don't think a that's win's fun. Happening. Going across the country to a pretty good Rams team, in my opinion, who could be three now. They almost beat the Bills. The controversy. We didn't get into it this episode, but you know, it, mm-hmm. people know what happened. Yeah. Um, Flying across the country to Los Angeles against Sean McVay and Goff and that defense, I would like to see defensively some improvement on third down. It needs to happen. As I said earlier, 60% is completely unacceptable. I want to see some better third down defense. Um, they got some turnovers against Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I've, I, they've turned the ball over. I mean, yesterday was a complete disaster and complete embarrassment that I almost want to kind of wash it and kind of focus more on the first two weeks for my own sanity. Mm-hmm. Um, but defensively, I would like to see better third down defense. And I don't want to see any big plays over the top from golf. That. That's number one. For offensively, I need Daniel Jones to not to turn the ball over. 
He had a he had a fumble on a pitch to Ingram. You can make the argument that Ingram should have caught the ball, but you know the pitch wasn't great. It didn't hit him in the chest. It was kind of behind him a little bit. It was catchable, but still not what you want from your quarterback. And then he threw another interception. The turnover problem is getting ridiculous. I mean, it, it, your first year quarterback, and that happens, sure, but there does hasn't seemed to be any improvement from Jones in that aspect of you know his game. And everything else is okay. I, there was a couple of read options that the Giants ran yesterday that were like really good. And Jones ran for a lot of yards and picked up some you know decent yardage. Um, so I like that. But the turnovers are just ridiculous. And if we if the Giants organization we talked about where this could go in the future with Gettleman and Judge and that draft pick, if they get the number one pick with Lawrence waiting, a lot of you know the decision that's going to be made by that organization is going to be predicated on how Jones improves from this point to week 17 when with ball security, because everything else is there. The arms there, the vision is there. Um, but you know, just mobilities there, the mobilities there obviously much better than what they've had the last 15 years with Eli, but you got to throw, you got to, you got to throw the ball to your guys. You can't throw the ball to the other team, obviously. And you have to hold on to the ball when you get hit. That's just basic QB one-on-one. So I would like to see a clean game from Daniel Jones. They're not going to win the game. I mean, they're mm-hmm. not a good football team. Um, mm-hmm. And the roster sucks. But, you know, if Daniel Jones wants to be the guy, he needs to, you know, hold on to the football. The team is not good enough to rebound from the mistakes that he makes on his own. Yeah. I mean, it's not like – it's unforced errors that are killing Daniel Jones. So I want to see him fix that. So the way, the way it sounds like and we, we could end it uh, after this is that Trevor Lawrence is going to be on the radar for a lot more teams than we think. Yeah. It's going to be – it, it honestly – We can rattle it off. I mean, it's going to be the Giants, the Jets, the – Panthers. The Panthers, the Vikings. The Saints. Saints, the, the Colts. Rivers isn't getting any younger. Colts, yeah. That's six uh, all right off the bat. Eagles. Eagles, yeah. That's um, seven. I'm trying to think. Let me pick up the standings. Uh, I mean, you could even say the Redskins. Redskins, um, the Lions. I mean, Stafford's not oh, getting. Oh my God! Hundred percent, the Lions. Uh, the Bears. Yes, without a doubt. F- Falcons, uh, I would say even. We said the pan. We said the Panthers. Steelers. I mean, the the Seahawks. No, the Cardinals. No, the Rams. No, the Niners. No. So that the entire NFC West is out. So, and uh, the, NFC, the, uh, NFC, the Niners. No. With Garoppolo, they just went to the Super Bowl. I, but you but you're telling but 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 but, they, would, but here's, would here's a Trevor th- Lawrence led Niners win you the Super Bowl? But is it worth giving up the haul on a team that just went to the Super Bowl? They're gonna have to give up so many picks when oh, they're no, holding no, so uh, close. Let, 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 yeah, let, let's 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 assume the, the the teams that would get uh, Lawrence if they didn't have to give up it. Say they had the number one pick. Let's go through through that. I mean. Yeah, like like if they had the option of getting him without giving anything up, would they pull the trigger? Yeah, that's what I mean, that's what I, sh- I should have said. The Falcons would, the Panthers would, the Saints might, the Buccaneers, the, Buc- the no, Buccaneers won't be in that position. But but uh, let's assume that they would. Let's assume say they Brady could. gets hurt. That's it. I I, I would one hundred percent. Brady is a two year deal anyway. I mean Lawrence is so good that any of these teams are going to take them unless that, you have Patrick I, I, Mahomes. That, that's what I mean. It really, like, there really is a handful of teams that if they had the option of getting Lawrence, they would turn him down. 
And that's why it's going to be so interesting to see if a team like the Giants or Jets get that one pick. They will be, of course, enticed to pick Lawrence and have them for themselves. But it's also going to be very persuasive when they see these offers just fly in through the shelf from all these franchises. I mean, we can see... We can see a haul that we've never seen before in terms of draft day trades. I, I, I agree. And I think that haul might come from the Jets because they have the ammo to do so. And if, again, if they don't have that number one pick, especially, I like, say they have to say, say somehow the, the Dolphins have the number one overall pick, just think it theoretically here, whether it's theirs or the Texans, you're going to have to give up so much to get. Lawrence because you're in the same division. I'm again I'm I'm excited to see what happens here. Now let me ask you a question that I already know the answer to. If you have that pick, do you take Lawrence and ship out Tua? Or do you draft Lawrence and keep both of them? And you just I mean the same reason that college is always bringing the hottest prospects every single year. Do you just say, screw it, I'm gonna have whoever my quarterback is, whether it's Tua or whether it's Trevor Lawrence is going to be the best guy for the job. And if you have the best guy out of those two guys, I could live with that. Mm-hmm. I don't, again, I know this might, I, I love two, obviously has the stuff put on the field, but if you have both of those guys, I don't care who, whose name's on the back of the jersey as long as you're getting the win. Mm-hmm. So I think you have a very, very interesting kind of dynamic that you, you, could, you could see here. With a lot it's of It's going to be crazy. It's going to be something like we've never seen before because you can make the argument that every team needs a quarterback because they either have, with the exception of like the Texans and the Chiefs and the, and the, yeah. uh, the, the Ravens, Ravens, every other team either has a quarterback that's unproven or a quarterback that's on the way out. Yeah. I think more than ever before. So Trevor Lawrence is in a really good spot, a spot that, you know, any quarterback would dream to be in. So agreed. We'll, we'll see what happens. But, That'll just about do it. We want to thank everyone for the questions. We didn't get to all of them, but that was awesome. I don't think we expected to get as many questions as we did. I don't know if you did. Um, No, I was blown away by the support. We'll definitely do it again. Can't wait. All right. So that'll just about do it for this episode of Ice the Kicker. Week four starts on Thursday with the Jets and the Broncos. So you marquee matchup right off the bat week four. Good start. Could Could not ask for a better matchup. So we'll be looking forward to that. Um, and then the rest of the action from week four. We'll be back next Tuesday, as we always do. So for Matt Ferrara, my name is Glenn Dinegas, and we will see you next week.